0: Pressure is good. I like to feel nervous before my races. If I'm not nervous, that means I'm too relaxed. So I'm nervous but I figure out how to control my my nerve. I keep my mind on my preparation. I believe in my training and I just visualize and meditate on my execution. I view myself as the best in the field. I respect all my competitors. I don't matter if I'm going in with the slowest time or the fastest time, I am the best. I am gonna win this race. And that is that is the mentality.
1: Hello and welcome, I'm Eric Corum, and you're listening to the Blueprint Podcast, where we explore the journey of high performance by learning from the struggles and triumphs of some of the most interesting people in the world. Today, I'm talking with Veronica Campbell-Brown. Veronica is an eight-time Olympic medalist, three-time Olympic gold medalist, and is the second woman in track and field history to win two consecutive gold medals in the Olympic 200-meter event. Today, Veronica will share her journeys from her humble beginnings in Trelawney, Jamaica to be an Olympic gold medalist. She also details the high-performance mindset she's adopted to deliberately engage in rigorous training and to dominate on the Olympic stage. You will not want to miss a word of what she has to say today. And now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Veronica, you are an eight-time Olympic medalist a three-time gold medalist, and you're one of two women to win back-to-back gold medals in the 200 meters at the Olympics. That is the end result that everybody sees. Let's go back to where it all began in Jamaica. Talk to me a little bit about where you grew up and when you fell in love with sprinting.
0: So I was born in Chilone, Jamaica, in a rural era called Clarkstone, which is located on the northwest side of Jamaica. It is known for agriculture, the production of rum, and it also produced several of Jamaicans, Olympians, including Mm. my husband, Omar Brown, Usain Bolt, myself, and many more.
1: How close in proximity, besides Omar, like how close in proximity were you to these people?
0: In terms of miles, so I was born in Clarkstone and um, Usain, um, Sherwood Sherwood County, I think he was born or something like that. So I would say it's pretty close. I'm not I'm not sure of the exact mile, uh-huh. but it but it was um it's pretty close proximity, especially o- especially where Omar was born. Uh-huh. So I could um we would take about I wanna say fifteen minutes from where I was born to where Omar was born.
1: Mm. So Veronica, who is Omar for everybody else that's listening?
0: Oh, so Omar is my husband. We met in high school. So we met in 1998. Hmm. And um, we've been to a lot of junior championships together. We've been to college together. And um, we are now raising our daughter, which is 16 months old, Aviana. Hmm. So just to give you a little, a little bit of the story of Omar and I met. So I was selected for a junior Jamaican junior trip and I live in the country area. And apparently I wasn't keeping up with the television or the radio, so I did not get the announcement that I was selected to make the team. So I was at home one day and a few police officers showed up at my (laughs) house, Chilorani. And um, I was a little bit surprised when police officer showed up at the house, but then, My surprise quickly turned into excitement because they came to um, bring me to Kingston at the junior training camp to continue my preparation to go on to the junior championship overseas. And so when I arrived in Kingston, there there was a meeting. So I went straight to the meeting with my luggage and everything. And at the end of the meeting, while they were taking me to the hotel where we were staying for the camp, Omar helped me bring my bag. And from then, we we have been friends ever since.
1: I have known you For 16 years, and I did not know that story. (laughs) That is beautiful. So, you grew up in Trelawney. How did you fall in love with sprinting? Like, when did you know that sprinting was for you, that you had this gift and that you loved it?
0: So, I discovered my talent for sprinting in primary school. I think it is the equivalent to secondary school here in the US. So, I always enjoy running. And so, during my lunch break, I would always participate in events or activities that have some type of running in it. So it was in primary school that I realized that I was fast. I was not only beating the girls, but I was also beating the boys (laughs) (laughs) to the point where I would challenge boys in my community to race me on the street. And racing on the street, we normally race barefoot. I didn't have training shoes at the time. Mm. So everything, training, racing, everything was, was barefoot. Actually, while I was in primary school, I went to the National Stadium for the primary Blue Cross Championship. And um, I actually raced in the stadium bare feet. That was my first time competing in a stadium. It's normally on a grass field that I normally train and compete. And that was my first time. But I got to Kingston, but I didn't have any spikes. I did not ask sneakers. Did you win? No, I didn't. Actually, I didn't. Because... The primary championship, it's a combination of all the primary school across Jamaica that's come together. So the best in each primary school will go to Kingston. So my first few years at the primary championships, I did not do well at all. Because first of all, I wasn't properly equipped. I could not compete with the Kingston kids who were running in spikes and I was running barefoot.
1: Now, were you running barefoot because you couldn't afford shoes or you just didn't have access to them?
0: Just didn't have access mm. to them and could not afford them, so oh. at that time for me competing at the primary school level, it was just for the fun of it. So when I got the opportunity to compete at the national stadium, it was just excited. So I wasn't even thinking that I didn't have a spikes, I didn't have a sneakers. It was like normal for us to train in Trelawney and run and run barefoot. So wow, yeah. So that was that was quite a shocker because actually it's very hot in Kingston, as, as you know and the what do you call it the we call it? the chevron the what <laughs> the chevron that's not what the um the track the manda track chevron that's not the name oh, of it oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: it's like the grainy stuff
0: right so yes. it was so running at, at the national stadium bayfield it was it was very uncomfortable you can feel the eat under under the soles of i could feel the eat under the sole of my foot bottom.
1: wow This is so interesting. I mean, I've known you for, this is like a, this is a treat for me to get all this good information. So at what age did it kind of really start to take off? So primary school, how old are you in primary school?
0: So primary school, I was, I think around seven to 13, somewhere around there.
1: So when did it really start to be like, okay, this is getting serious. I've got a real skill. And you started moving up and started getting equipped with what you needed and having a real coach.
0: Right. So I got really serious at the age of 11 when one of my Mm -hmm. teachers told me that he believed that I can have a career in track and field. And he encouraged me to attend Veer Technical High School, which is one of the most historic school in Jamaica. Today, Mm -hmm. Veer Technical High School produce most of, they have the most Olympians in Jamaican history to compete in the Olympics. And they won the high school championship, which is, a lot of people know it it as champs. They won 15 consecutive years, and that is still the record. So he encouraged me to attend that school, which I did. And it was a very good thing, because when I got to there, I learned a lot of valuable lessons. Because in Trilorne, I was dominating on the primary level. But when I got to Vertech and joined the high school system, I realized that I wasn't fast enough at the time. My first year at and High School, I was forced to run the 400 meters.
1: Oh, no. And,
0: yes. And I got there as a sprinter because there was no spot for me. I was not good enough to make the team because it was one of the best um, track program in the country. And all the top girls from all over Jamaica um, attended that school at the time while I was there. And so for, for that season, running the 400-meter, it was painful because I could not handle the train, the 400-meter training every day. And my 400-meter coach, he was very strict. You could not even put your hands on your knee. You have to keep walking. You cannot stoop down. You cannot show sign of tiredness, no matter how tired you are. And so every day I would cry. I had to stick with the 400-meter training for that season. I ended up running the 400-meter at tramps, and I did not do well. And then after they realized that the 400 meter was not for me, the second season at VIR, I was able to return to training for the sprint. And that same year, I made my first junior team. How old were you? I was about 14 at the time.
1: Because you are, I mean, if there is a definition of a true sprinter, I mean, your physiology, everything about you is wired for 200 meters and less. Would you agree?
0: I agree. But if you ask me that question while I was in high school, a lot of people didn't think that I would be able to um, have a very successful professional career because I had a very unique running style. Mm. A lot of commentators call it an orthodox <laughs> 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 because I I don't know what it what it was, but over time I I, I got better. I had such a deep forward lean. There was no upright running in my sprints. From the start, it's almost like I was running my races in a drive phase. And over time, I've gotten better and that improved. And I, thought, I think it maybe was growing and maybe needed. I wasn't as strong to stay upright or maybe I didn't have the proper technique. But even when I was running that way, I was able to win the 100 meter in 1999 at the World Youth Championship. I was I was able to win the double at the World Junior Championships and it wasn't until um, sometime in college by the time I by the time I got to University of Arkansas I started my technique um, came together pretty well so over time everything came together but in the beginning a lot of people did not believe that that running style could take me anywhere but I wasn't even thinking about technique in those days my objective was always to run as fast as I yes. could from start to the finish, and that's what I've I've done throughout my throughout my years. is about giving everything you got and just run as fast. But as I as I gotten older and more mature, then I learned to combine all that force with technique and get better results.
1: Mm. So I have the the uh, the luxury of being your friend and knowing you for so long, and I can imagine you are an ultra competitor. Mm -hmm. people meet you and you're very regal. You're very put together. You're a beautiful woman, uh, well-spoken, but you are a lioness. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And we'll unpack that later, but I can imagine that the reason you might've run that way is because all you wanted to do was win.
0: Definitely. Like
1: you just want to win. Where did you get that desire to win?
0: I think it started with my upbringing. So Mm. as I said earlier, I was born in Chulani. Triloni is a rural area and it's a challenging, challenging place to live. And so I didn't grow up with much, but my mother um, taught me the value of being positive and staying strong and going after your goals. And so it is always fun for me to just... Set, set goals for myself from a very young age and just keep tracing them. And I never look at anything that I lack and think it is an obstacle. My objective is always to give it my best, give it my all. Hmm.
1: You know, what's amazing is in, when you meet somebody, no matter what, and this whole podcast is about being a high performer. So whether you're an engineer, mm-hmm. an artist, a teacher, an Olympic athlete, the best in the world always want to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen that documentary on Michael Jordan, what made him great was his just ridiculous desire right. to be the absolute best. And at one point in his career, that meant him not scoring as much, and it actually made him a better basketball player, and his team won more. So let's let's go back a little bit. So you're um, you're at the technical school. How did you end up going to the states? Where did you go? What's that journey look like?
0: So in primary school. As I mentioned earlier, I normally participate in a lot of athletic type activities. And in all over the country, there is a primary school series where you would run, you would compete against each other in your parish. Is a parish in Jamaica is the same as states here in the U.S. So you would run against different schools. And then the best athletes from each school will be selected to go to Kingston for the primary championship. So I've been to the primary championships um, several times. I never went at the primary level, but because Vera Technical High School saw the potential in me, I was accepted to attend Vera Technical High School because it was such a hard school to get into. And my grades were good as well because you have to have the grades. (laughs) So I I had all the qualification um, academically. And although... I had such a weird running style. They didn't see that as an obstacle. And I was accepted to Fair Technical High School. I can remember that morning when my mother and I was um, getting ready to go to school because Fair Technical High School is um, several states over or several miles from Trelawney. And so we had to get up early that morning, I want to say around 4 a.m., to um, take the bus to travel to Clarendon a different parish, um, closer to Kingston. And I am from Trillow, which is closer to Montego Bay. And so my mother and I um, got to the campus and settled into my dorm room. And then my mother left. And here I am for the first time, have to figure out everything for myself because I have a schedule, what time, is cl- what time I have to go to my classes and the time I have training, what time you have to go for breakfast, dinner, and um, you have to provide for your lunch. So I... So with all that, I have to manage everything, including washing my clothes, preparing my uniform, cleaning up my corner. And at home, I have a bigger sister and my mother, so they basically do everything for me. And so going to school, and now I'm without a mother, I have to wash for myself, and doing all that stuff was a little bit of shocker. But it was a good thing because I learned a lot, I met some very great friends, and um, I did not like iron in my uniform. And I had a girlfriend who loved to iron, and so she would iron my uniform <laughs> for me. So that was, that was pretty, pretty good. Even to this day, I do not like to iron, so I try to choose clothes that iron.
1: <laughs> so was Omar going to high school with you as
0: well? Not very technical high school. Omar went to Alberton High School, which is closer to his home. So he, he didn't go to a boarding school.
1: So from what age have you basically been on your own? When did you go to the high school?
0: I'm 13. So 13 or so 14.
1: Yeah. You've been on your own essentially
0: yeah, from that different. point on. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. That is, that's amazing. And so you are, I would say, a very strong person, very self reliant. Like, and does part of that come from that experience of being on your own at such a young age?
0: Absolutely. Yes. Because that was the first time I was leaving my parish and I didn't get to go home like, once per month and in season it would be twice it would be once every two months every two months and so in the beginnings, i in the beginning i was missing home i mm. used to race um boys and my peers on the street in Chilorne i did not have that i used to i had to find a new church i wasn't seeing my family members and um so i miss a lot of things about about home but. I was there for a mission, I was there for a purpose, the objective was to um, study hard and train hard because I knew that I had the ability to make a career out of track and field and my biggest goal was to be an individual Olympic gold medalist. And so that was the main focus and I and I knew that I was in the right environment because Merlin Ati had went to very technical high school and she had achieved great success at the Olympic um, level so I, she was my role model so I was like okay I'm at the same school that Merlin Atte went to I have the same opportunities Merlin had so all I have to do is just to stay focused train hard work hard and work towards my goals and at very technical high school it wasn't easy because we were tr- we were training to win the championship so it was very intense. Some mornings, we have to get up for 5 a.m. training. And after 5 a.m. training, you have to get ready for classes and then come back for 3 p.m. training. So sometimes we were training twice per day. And so it was very competitive. And there was a lot of girls. And so you have to earn your spot. And as I, as I told you before, in my first year, I was not even given the chance to train for the sprints. They just told me, you're not going to make it in the sprints. You're going to train for the 400. And I had to prove myself. And one season later, I was able to gain a spot on the, um, on the sprint team and went on to chance to compete. And so it was very challenging, but it was very beneficial because it gave me something to work towards. I didn't like the 400 meters. And so I know I have to work extra hard. I cannot complain to get up for 5 a.m. training. I have to make sure I was right on time focus, alert, awake, and train hard and beat the other girls to, to gain my spot. So, Vera Technical High School, um, although there was a lot of pressure to complete hard and to gain a position, it really teach me to be strong. And then even to compete among the other schools who are part of the high school championships is very intense because as I mentioned earlier, the objective is all about winning the championship and Veer Technical had a history to maintain. And so there was a lot of pressure on us to make sure that we performed well. Nobody wanted to be the one that didn't score the amount of points that they were expected to. And so because of our fierceness and our sisterhood, we push each other. And I think those things really helped me from competing under pressure to having a school that expect a lot from, from me and having girls that were better than me and pushes me to um, train hard. That has helped me. The way in my career to be tough and just stay focused.
1: What I'll remember the first time Jamaican trials, and I don't remember, maybe it was there or somewhere else. I don't know if it was you, but it was somebody that we were training with that was a Jamaican. Maybe it was Aileen Bailey, I don't remember. But we had a discussion about champs, and somebody asked me, like, why is it the Jamaicans in general do well? Or I asked them why did Jamaicans do well under pressure at the biggest stages, and they said, "Well, look look at what we've been competing under our entire lives." And so, if you could unpack for people what the environment of champs is like, because I don't think you can really understand that these teenagers are are competing in the the iconic uh, stadium in Jamaica in Kingston, the capital. And so, go ahead unpack that a little bit yeah. about like what that means to be able to race in that environment.
0: Right, so competing at tramps, it's basically equivalent to competing at the Olympics. The energy is just crazy. Um, the stadium is normally packed with people. People using their pack covers as um, cheering devices. People shouting. There is no way you will not run fast because the noise alone start let adrenaline flow. And so you have to give it your best. And then the competition also, because for example, when I, in my time, it was Veer technical High School versus St. Jago High. And I did not win at champs until my very last year at champs. We started competing at champs in class three. So about four to six years, I, you compete at champs. And I lost all the way up until my last year. My first, you spent two years in each, in each uh, at each level. So my first year at the senior level, I came second in both the 100, meter, 100 meters and 200 meters. I lost to Melaine um, Walker, who is a St. Jager girl. My last year in at the senior level, again, Melaine Walker was my main competitor. And now I reversed the script on her. So I won the 100 meters and, <laughs> and, and the 200 meters, and she came second. Mm. So that was the only time... I won at Champs, and even today, my 100-meter performance at Champs is still the class one. The senior level is a class one. Class one girls, Champs record.
1: What was the time?
0: Um, um, 11, 12.
1: Holy so cow.
0: Th- yeah, that is the record. So every year, I I know that it's really inspired these girls. So all the seniors, every every that is the, that is the target, and they're going for, for, it, for it. And every year I'm looking like, okay, let's see who's going to get it. And the last two years, Oh, what's her name? Kimona. I think Kimona Davis. I think that's her name. Hope I got that right. Came close to it. So competing at champs is just a great, a great feeling. There is no way you will not compete. You will not compete well. You have to give it your all because it's such a competitive environment.
1: Wow. So you you go from champs and then you end up at Barton Community College in Kansas. Right. You moved to Kansas. Now tell me what that was like. How did you end up in Kansas in the first place? I'm sure you had your pick of the litter,
0: right? Well, not exactly. I had to go to a junior college because I did not get the the SAT score that was recommended oh. to go with straight into a uh, university. SAT is not something we study in Jamaica. It's not part of our curriculum. So, and then a lot of the time we don't have the proper material. We have to get the, the the book here from the US and I didn't have my book until until late and so anyway so I did not get the grades for the SATS for the SAT and so I went to I went to Barton because I think at the time Omar was looking at Barn as well and we decided we want to go to the right to go to the same place. And at the time Barton was doing well. It was like the top junior college in terms of they were winning all the championship and that's what we like we wanted to be in a winning environment, and so we and so that was one of the reasons why i went to when we, we went to Barton. so when I got to Barton in two thousand one, I can remember it vividly it was it was like storming, and we we drove from the airport and we, we were going through these carn fees and I'm like, where are we <laughs> we're going, <laughs> we're we're going through a storm through carn fees, and I'm like. This is this is crazy and then it was cold for it was it was cold. I I'm, I'm used to cold weather like going to the pen Relays and stuff but just going in and out within a week but then now getting to Barton and it was like a totally different environment not what I've expected because my travels in the US I've never come across anything um close like it Great Bend Kansas but I'm easy to adjust to things and so it was, it was, we had a very nice time there because Omar was there and then there were several other Jamaicans. So we have that bond. And then we, we met some really great Americans. And again, at Barton, our objective was to win the championship. We were, were just training towards winning nationals. So if, if there is snow on the track, we will be creeping off snow from lane one and lane two and we will be training because we didn't have an indoor facility. And so coming from Kings, coming from Jamaica, she Jamaica, where it's, hot, it's hot all it's round To the four seasons in Kansas and creeping the Suno off this track to to train was was something. But it was it wasn't really it wasn't a bother apart from being cold. I didn't have a problem going over there and train because that's what we had to do because our objective was to win. And um, it was a nice environment, and I had a really good relationship with the teachers and coaches and. Having the other Jamaicans there made it great as well. The food wasn't something that we, we <laughs> got
1: used. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes like, like college food. It's typically pretty Friends. bad.
0: We didn't get used to it, but the good thing is we were able to cook i hope i don't get into trouble for this though but we shouldn't have a plate in our room but we sneak in a, a hot plate you want know you know, yeah. Know yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. make some eggs Be-
1: or whatever you gotta do yeah
0: not eggs we're making fried dumplings and curry chicken <laughs> and the Jamaican <laughs> type stuff so it was hard to get those things in barn but we have people in new york that would send us curry and things like that for us to to cook so no one then we would, we would cook cautiously, and thank God there was no problem. There was no issue. We you cautiously. sound like
1: you're trying not to get in trouble. I don't think Barton's <laughs> going to be coming after you.
0: Yeah, so, so I had a really good time at Barton. We won a lot of um, championships, and the, the trend of being in an environment where the objective is to win and to give it your best um, continued um, Did you win the
1: championship? Did you win the
0: national championship? I did win a few things, but honestly, I really don't remember exactly what Okay. what i what i want, but i think one of my um seasons at barton i wasn't 100 healthy mm-hmm. but i but i did well i i'm not sure if i still have the record but at one point i had the record in the intermediate, and intermediate. i'm not sure if it's broken um but I know. so from
1: from barton you go to the track well arkansas for a very long time has been known as the cross-country mecca so when you drive into fayetteville arkansas this is where you and i met i was a graduate assistant Uh, Working in strength and condition, which when you drive in, they have this like sign. It says like, "Welcome to University of Arkansas, home of the national champion track and field team." And it's like they literally have like a Rolodex, so it's like fifty-two time national champion, Mm -hmm. fifty-three. And so for the people that are listening, you came in at the greatest era probably in Arkansas sprints history. Mm -hmm. It was you, Omar Wallace, Spearman, Tyson (laughs) Gay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I met you right after the 2004 Olympics, but talk to us about that experience, going to Arkansas and then going to the Olympics.
0: Right. So we visited a couple of campuses and what I liked about Arkansas was the business school, the Sam Walton Business School. I was excited about that. And though Arkansas was known for its distance program, I wanted to be in that environment because... I realized that it was a good it was a good environment. They really care about the athlete. They really care about winning championship. And when um, Omar decided to go to Barton, and then um, Tyson decided to go to Barton, okay, it was like okay, this is a this is a team thing. We can go there and we can try to work toward work toward change. And then we met Wallace um, in Arkansas. He's from Arkansas, and um, we, we met him while we were there. And so it was it, it was a group of sprinters going to um, Arkansas just to turn the program around. Oh, and Lashante Moore. Lashante Moore went to Arkansas as well, and she was at Barton as well. So it was great to have um, a group of people who you know coming from the same school with the same mentality and working towards the same goal in a different environment. And so we thought um, Arkansas um, was the right fit. And I was excited to really contribute to the sprint program and kind of Shift. I'm not sure if you can really shift it, but they are known to be a distance school. But now you can say, okay, Arkansas is a well-rounded school. They're winning. They're winning distance championships. They're winning. They're winning everything. Yeah. So it was a it was it was a great um, choice. And Coach Arda is such a great person. And um, it's been it was great working with him over the years. And uh, we still tend to stay in touch.
1: Yeah, they got a great indoor track there, the Tyson Indoor Tracks uh, Mm -hmm. facility. It's fantastic. So 2004 is – that's not your first Olympic Games, is it? That was your second, correct or no? Yes, Yeah, your second. Mm -hmm. But 2004 in Greece, Mm -hmm. you win your first Mm -hmm. 200-meter gold medal. Talk to me about what it's like to be – like the moments before you get into the blocks – and you know that you've been working What people. I don't know if a lot of people can really understand this, but in most professional sports, you may play two games a week. You may play one game a week. As an Olympic athlete, you're, nothing is guaranteed that you'll ever make it back. Exactly. But you work your entire life to get to one moment. And there's a lot of Olympic athletes that people don't even realize. Like They don't even make it out of the heats. Exactly. So, yeah. so they were the best in their country, but they're not the best in the world. So walk us through the mentality of the warm up track, and then how you get yourself ready to win an Olympic gold medal.
0: Yeah, I was focused. Focus is the main thing. I'm very focused. So just to go back a little, that year in 2004, I decided to forego the rest of my collegiate season and went pro. I won the 200 meter indoors in college, and then I and then I and then I went pro. And with that, there was added pressure. Because I went and I just signed a contract, and I went to Athens. Nobody's expected me. To, actually, I did not go to Athens as a favorite. Everybody think Alison was would be the favorite, but actually, I wasn't even. Fo- I didn't even focus on anything because in most of my races, I go in as an underdog anyway, and I like that because I like to quietly do my thing. So, from from warm up all the way to the race is all about focus and meditation. I, I'm I'm like in a zone. I don't really speak to people, and people may think that is mean. But I warm up with my music. I do not say hello. I do not communicate. As when I'm so at the hotel in my room, it's all about just meditation and focus. When I get on the bus, it's the same thing. So my mind constantly stays on my race. So I run every phase of the race over and over in my head. I see myself um, in the stadium, lined up with all the girls. I took the command from the starter, I go through all my phases, dry phase, transition phase, maintenance phase. And I see myself winning my races before. And most of the time, it turned out the very way I, I um, visualize it. And in Athens, my objective, the main thing I was focused on is to get out of the black as fast as I could, was to run the curve, give it everything I got. And I think I did that. I executed well. And that was the main thing that helped me to to win because my objective was to get away from the field and catch me if you can and that is why i always run my 200 meters so everybody knows they run a 200 meter with veronica you gotta prepare to pay to play catch up because i'm gonna work that curve because i I feel like if i can work the curve and take command of the race if i am in control of the race unless i do something stupid or i I, i don't have the proper endurance that's the only way you're gonna catch me but if i'm fit I'm and, and training well and my speed is up and I transitioned first. There is no catch with me. And that's, and that's, that, that's how the world. So yes. I
1: just got chills. <laughs> I really just got chills. It's emotional. Wow. So there are people, I'm not going to name names, but there are some sprinters that are very, very fast until it comes to the main event. One in particular what is it though? I mean you I guess you just didn't feel the pressure. Is that what you're telling me you had prepared so much and you were so much in the zone that you just didn't feel the moment?
0: I do feel the pressure, but I control the pressure because pressure is good. I like to feel nervous before my races. If I'm not nervous, that means I'm too relaxed. So I'm nervous but I figure out how to control my my nerve. I keep my mind on my preparation. I believe in my training and I just visualize and meditate on my execution. I view myself as the best in the field. I respect all my competitors, but I i don't matter if I'm going in with the slowest time or the fastest time, I am the best. I am going to win this race. And that is is—that is the mentality. In the earlier part of my career, I was so nervous to the point when my, my hands would a little bit trim, tremble on the blocks. And over time, I develop more confident and figure out how to control that because I don't want to lose all the nervousness, but I don't want it to overwhelm me. And so I learned to control my nervousness. And I like to feel nervous when I'm running because that really helped me to really zone in and focus on the race. And that really helped my execution because when I'm nervous, I'm most alert. And so controlling pressure is very important. And it starts with having the positive mindset, positive outlook, believe in yourself, believe that you are capable and well prepared to execute your races.
1: That's awesome. That's really cool. And I think it's really important you keep saying this is to trust your training. Do you gain confidence from your training?
0: Definitely. I am very hard on myself when I'm training. And so I set goals for myself and, um, if I do not achieve my my goal for each session, I'm a little bit upset. Um, not for long, but I complain about it. And um, even right now, I have a marking training that I've been knocking at that door to cross for the last few weeks. And I'm like, the last time I I, I sprinted, I was so close to it. But then I'm like, okay, next time. But regardless of um, regardless of whether or not I achieve my goal for each session. I do not become disappointed. I bring that same goal over the next session and I keep knocking on that goal until I get it. And then when I get it then I set another goal and just keep going. So I develop confidence in training by setting my goals and achieving them, leading up to my races. And, um, it really, really helped me to stay focused and just continue to believe in, believe in myself and work towards, um, just maximizing my potential.
1: Wow. So I wasn't planning on asking this, but I'm going to ask. Omar is your husband. And Omar won the Commonwealth Games as a sprinter himself. This guy was very, very fast coming out of high school, was a very fast collegiate athlete, and then had some uh, injury issues later in his career. So he was a world-class sprinter himself. Now he's your coach. How, I mean, because there's a lot of people out there that work with their spouse in business. What would your advice be to somebody that's working very closely with their spouse and learning how to segment work from relationship?
0: That is the key. You have to be able to separate work from relationship. Try not to bring the frustration of training to the home. Leave it on the track, discuss it on the track, talk about it on the track. You also have to respect your spouse. In that moment, you cannot see um, whether it's your wife or your husband coaching you. You have to look at them as a coach, somebody you listen to, because in order to really go and learn, you really have to listen. And so over the years, it's not easy, it's challenging, because I am hard on myself, and sometimes I frustrate Omar when, I'm, when I keep complaining that I'm not getting this, and I didn't like that I didn't get that today. And most of time when Omar is satisfied with the work, I am not satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and but, but, but apart from that, we're able to really separate it and um, work towards um, the goals that we set.
1: Yeah. No, I just wanted to unpack that because there are a lot of people that work with their spouses. And I think now during COVID, everybody's around each other so much. Work is home now. For a lot of people that have had that separation and could drive home and kind of decompress, like I work out of my bedroom. I mean, that's where I'm working. (laughs) And it's like, it's hard. It's very, very hard right now. Mm -hmm. But let's just uh, fast forward a little bit. 2008, you win the gold again in Beijing. And if anybody has not watched that race to me, I don't know. I've never asked you this, but to me it was perfection. Like short of breaking the world record, you absolutely crushed the field and China. I mean, that was a, the stage there was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that 2008 gold medal race?
0: That was, um, it's, quite memorable i want to go back to the trials though yeah At the jamaica national trials in 2008 i went there confidently think i would dominate both the 100 meters and the 200 meters in the 100 meter finals i got a shock of my life i came fourth in the 100 meter as a result i did not make the 100 million individual team i had a spot for the four x one and so i was very disappointed about that and I had only 24 hours or less than 24 hours to regroup and come back to the 200 meters. And this was my only opportunity of running an individual race at the Olympics. And my mindset going to that race, well, the ladies that beat me in the 100 meters are my, were my same competitors in the 200 meters. So talk about pressure. But I was able to regroup and just refocus. And my objective was, as I told you earlier, was to dismantle the field in the first 50 meters. And I did just that. And the time that I ran, I can't remember it, I'm thinking it's maybe 21.94 or 21.97. That time I ran in 2008 at national trials is still the stadium record to date. I haven't been back there, none of my competitors have been back there. That's how fierce I had to get because I'm like, I have to defend my 200 meter title in Beijing. And luckily. I was um I found the energy and the strength to just go for it because I was so disappointed having missed out on the 100 meters. And so I got to Beijing and um I was just very focused because it was the first time in my career I was only running one event. From my junior days all the way up I was always running the 100 meters and the 200 meters. For the first time I were able to 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 sit back and watch the ladies run the 100 meters while I spectate. So by the time I got to the 200 meters. I was just ready to go. I could not wait for the 200 meters to start. And when I, when I got to the finals, Alyssa was right in front of me. And I was like, yeah, this is a good thing because my objective is to pick up Alice as soon as the gun goes pow. And I'm telling you, that race is definitely near perfect because um, Coach Roman was my coach at the time. And we talked about um, the execution of Making sure my curve was always okay, but making sure that when I transition, I maintain my form because I know that the girls will be tracing me. And I was able to really execute hard enough and maintain my form because if you execute the, the curve too hard and controllable, then you may not have the energy to maintain. So I was able to give it all the energy I could, but at the same time, leave something in the tank to really power home. And so it was quite Exhilarating! I got to the finishing line, and I'm I'm not a person who normally celebrate, but that was the first race. As if you look back on the finish, my hands were in the air, and at one point I could not even breathe. I was like, I almost run my life out in this. time, this <laughs> 200 meters, I could. I was. It took a while to catch my breath, but it was so. I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with joy, and that time, the 21.74, is still my PR. I haven't been back there. Not sure I will because um, I don't think I'll run the 200-meter next year if I'm able to make it to the the Olympics.
1: You know, I was at Florida State in 2008. You were in Claremont, Florida, and uh, we were still working together. It was by distance, you know, programming. I'd come down, whatever. And uh, I was in my office by myself. So the football team was somewhere else. And I will never forget screaming at the top of my lungs. And I was running up and down the hallways and everybody's like, like nobody's around. And I run out in the hallway and I'm like, she won. I was going crazy. And they're like, what is going on? I was like, you have no idea. I was like, we're chasing a, we're chasing a football championship. This, like what you just saw, like people were just out there. They didn't understand. And I was like crying and tears were coming down my face. And Omar got a hold of me like the next morning or something. And, Because I remember now that you retold the story about trials, Mm -hmm. I remember Omar and I talking on the phone because I wouldn't call you. Mm -hmm. You needed to be in your own zone. And Omar was like, she just has to refocus Mm -hmm. because it was devastating. You were on top of the world. yeah. And uh, what's so amazing about that story is, and I I hope people get this, is when things, when you face a disappointment, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: most people want to sulk in it. Right. A true competitor, an elite performer, drives past that, right. learns from it, and that's what you did. You had a you had a a plan, mm-hmm. and you executed that plan. So everybody that's listening to this, go to YouTube, two thousand and eight Beijing two hundred meter final. It is a beautiful race, and you crushed them. I want to bring something else too, because you. It looks like you run away from the field. Mm-hmm. What people, and and maybe you can explain this to our audience here. When you see somebody pull away in a 100-meter, 200-meter event, it's not that they're running faster. Right. They're slowing down the slowest. Mm -hmm. Because you hit max speed at what? 60, 70 70. meters?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And then the person, which you have had amazing max velocity, the person that can hold on the longest. Yeah. So – Talk about that in terms of life, you know what
0: I'm saying? Yes, definitely. You have to have endurance in this life, um, this race called life, or anything huh. you're doing, because it's normally easier to fit to start, but it's so hard to finish. Just like it is when you get on top, it's harder to stay there, and that's why my strategy is always to get out first and let who is behind the trace. Because when I when I take the lead, then I'm in control and I am able to focus on just me as opposed to thinking about tracing, but my competitors is behind me. They are trying to trace me and they could show their, um, their technique off, their strategy off. So the key is to make sure that in anything you're doing is focus and you know your strength and your weakness and then strategize or you will be able to execute whatever it is that that you're working towards.
1: So you want to dictate the terms. Yes. Yeah, I love that. That's strong. That's real strong. So Veronica, you've been sprinting for a very long time. You're still training, but there's a lot more to Veronica Campbell-Brown than just a track athlete. You're a mother now. Mm-hmm. You're an entrepreneur. You're a published author. Like talk about your life right now. You're a philanthropist. Yeah. Uh what are you doing right now? What's got you really excited off the track?
0: So off the track, um my number one excitement is daughter oh, Aviana. Oh she's she's a bungler of joy. She so energetic right now. She's running, climbing, keeping us so active. So it's basically like I'm training two, three times a day, trying to chase Aviana around around it. Also, parenting her um, is one of the things that keep me excited. And then I recently launched VCB Fit in January of 2020. It is an active wear brand that design quality and comfortable fitness clothing for for women. As an athlete who has been competing, I know the importance of having, of wearing good structured quality material. Um, so <sighs> our clothes are made from breathable, breathable fabric, fabric that are moisture wicking And our objective is to continue to provide providing quality for women so that they can feel confidence in their workout and work towards pursuing their best and just optimize their performances. And... Over the years in my track and field career, I've been, I've been given a portion of my race earnings to the Renegade Campbell Foundation. Mm. And now that I'm getting ready to retire, I view VCB Fit as an avenue where we can put a portion of the profit we will earn towards continuing the foundation program. Because there are a lot of young girls in Jamaica and all over the world that need help. And even myself, growing up as a young girl, I receive a lot of help. Because there were times when my parents did not have enough money to give me when I when I when I go home to return to school. And there were people who were willing to lend lend my parents money to help. And so i very giving back is very important to me. It's a passion. And I'm hoping that through VCB we will continue to pour into the foundation to reach more 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 girls.
1: If somebody is interested in giving to your foundation, where do they go?
0: There is a Facebook page. Um, Veronica Brown Foundation, and you can donate there. Or you can go um, vcbfoundation.com and also donate.
1: Awesome. Your clothes are, I love the colors. They're beautiful colors. When Veronica says that she knows quality apparel, at one point you had one of the best contracts for a female athlete in the world. And you've always, personally, you always look to the nines. But their uh, your your clothing line is very attractive. It looks great. Your Instagram handle for VCB Fit is just VCB Fit.
0: Yes, VCB
1: And you could see some workouts she puts out on there. And then you should follow her at Veronica Campbell Brown on Instagram. She does some great stuff on there. But um Veronica, thank you so much for being on today. I the wisdom that you brought about being an elite competitor is truly unmatched, and it was a blessing to have you on.
0: Thanks, it a pleasure to talk to you.